But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all from all sin. And as I pointed out last week, uh, this fellowship is two parts. It's fellowship with fellow believers who are of like mind, and it's also fellowship with the Father himself, walking in accordance to his word and not with his word. Uh, faith is the foundation of our fellowship. Uh, love is the object, uh, is the objective of this fellowship. Uh, but we should be very careful that in our love, we don't compromise God's truth. Okay? Uh, we don't want to compromise God's truth in the name of love. And unfortunately, there's a lot of folks that do do that. So we should have love for the truth. And then having love for the truth, uh, then there should be love for one another. And so this, this comes about with our fellowship with each other. This comes about with our fellowship with God as we walk according to... His light, all right. And I talked a little about a little bit about that about the perfectionists. You know, the perfectionists, the legalists, they're more concerned about keeping rules, keeping laws, and they uh, measure their relationship according to their rules and according to their laws. You know, so they try to reach this unattainable uh, expectation, this perfection in life, and God's not. Expecting perfection from us. He, what he's look, what does he, what does God look upon when he looks upon us? It's the heart, right? He's looking for a sincere heart. He's looking for an honest heart. Uh, being willing to, to admit, yeah, I fail. And God is also willing to forgive. So he's not looking for perfection, uh, but he is looking for sanctification. He is looking for someone who is devoted to him. He is looking for that. At the same time, you've got your libertarians who take advantage of this, and they feel as though there's no no rules, no laws to follow, and that just takes you to the other extreme. So that's not that also is not uh, a fellowship. One of my favorite um, passages is uh, found in Psalms 103, 13 through 18. And no, this is not on your worksheet or anything. But it says, like as the father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. And his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. I, I love that passage because that talks about the father-son, father-child relationship that we do have with God because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. Now, God has made great provision for us in this in this fellowship. So we're going to start working on the study guide. And so your first blank is, uh, it should be a Roman numeral number two on the top of page six. Five, the cleansing for our fellowship. The cleansing for our fellowship. 
Now we kind of just scratched the surface of keeping custody of our fellowship and now we're just going to scratch the surface in in regards to the cleansing of our fellowship. Uh, And um, this is why I believe, as you look at the context here, this is why I believe that this epistle is addressing more one's fellowship rather than proof of salvation. Alright? That's what John's talking about. He's talking about our fellowship. He's not talking about our salvation. You know, a lot of people teach this epistle as tests of proving you're saved or not. Eh, okay. But reality, he's talking about our fellowship. He's talking about our fellowship. And he, if he, if he was talking about salvation, then he wouldn't be addressing my little children and so forth and so on. So he's talking about our fellowship. Why is that? Because there's something out there threatening that fellowship. And that's what John's trying to warn us about. He says, don't let those seducers and those antichrists, don't let them threaten your relationship with the Lord. You keep it tight. And he's trying to tell you how to do that. So he's given us a wonderful provision. And notice here in verse John, First uh, John one seven, he says, "But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another." We've already looked at that, but look what he says here: "And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin." cleanses us from all sin. You know, God has given his provision to us in his word. He's given his provision to us by his indwelling Holy Spirit. Uh, We have the benefit of fellowshipping with like-minded believers. All of that is, is, is a part of the fellowship. But we also are painfully aware that, um, there's still that part of us <laughs> that loves darkness rather than light. Or am I the only one? You know, there's that part of us that we will at times fail. We will sin. We will, we will, we will not be as consistent as we like to be consistent. Because why? Because we still have that old nature with us. Romans chapter 6 verse 6 says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So, even though the old man is crucified, uh, which means that his power over us is now broken, alright? His power over us is now broken, yet that sinful, fallen, Adamic nature is still there. It still presents a threat to us. It still will disrupt our fellowship with God. Uh, this sin nature will rear its ugly head at times. That's what we talked about in 1 John 1, 6, because you can't deny that fact about yourself, and yet there are some folks who try to deny that fact, and you just can't do that. Romans 6, 12-13 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. So what is that telling me? That's telling me that there is the potential of that sin nature reigning in my mortal body. So Paul's saying, don't let it happen. And now we've got the power, the ability, the authority to not let that happen because of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. He says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. If we didn't have that ability, Paul wouldn't write that down, would he? 
But we do have that ability given to us now. We do have that authority. We do have that power. He says, as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You see, the lost man doesn't have that ability. But if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells within you. You've got the written word of God. You now have that ability. You've been given that authority. You've been given that authority. When we yield to our sin natures, what happens is we find ourselves in darkness rather than in light. We just do. You know, so we got to be careful. We don't want to get into the habit of denying this about ourselves, just like the folks in verse six of First John. Uh, we have to we have to face the reality. There is always that a very present danger of all the time of our sin natures wanting to have its way. And you know that's true, folks. You know that's true. The problem is, is that when it does happen, we fail to check it. <laughs> right? We fail to check it. We, we just kind of go along with it. But maybe you don't. I don't know. So anyway, so it's at this point that uh, some people begin to uh, despair. They lose hope. You know, they want to quit. I can't seem to to get anywhere. Well, what John is writing here, he's saying, hey, take heart, beleaguered child of God. There is hope. There is hope. Uh, Because of Christ's sinless sacrifice on the cross, we have hope. We have hope. We've got his spirit. We've got his word. You know, for, for, what is that? For, for, for doctrine, for, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, we can walk according to the light. And, uh, what we have available to us is the blood of Jesus Christ for our cleansing. And I think that's something that folks don't really consider as much as they should. So on your study guide, the next blank is abiding in the light. Abiding in the light. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. First John 2.28 says, And now little children abide in him that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Uh, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but the word abide is one of the key words in this epistle. Okay, the word abide is one of the key words in this epistle. Uh, we have to abide in the light in order to have fellowship with God. And I, I don't think this is on your study guide. But uh, let me talk a little bit about the word abide. Kind of like the word of God, there's two edges to it. All right? It's a double-edged word. Uh, the word abide in the Bible can refer to a place, a physical tangible place Matthew 10 11 into whatsoever city or town you shall enter inquire who is in it worthy and there abide till you go then so it's a place you can abide in a place uh, it can also uh, refer to a duration of time so it talks about a place it talks about a time Philippians 1.24 nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you and having this confidence I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. So Paul is talking about a duration of time. So abide is a place, abide is a duration of time. It also speaks of uh, certain qualities or issues of the heart. We could call these spiritual qualities or issues of the heart. 
1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Those are Christian virtues or Christian graces. And we can abide in those graces. We can abide in those graces. And so these two aspects of abide to the believer, they can mix together. They can become, uh, you know, they can get mixed together, separate but yet mixed together. As an example, uh, in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 23, it says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So there are, first of all, those physical bonds and afflictions that Paul experienced. But there's also those internal bonds and afflictions that Paul experienced. So you can see a mingling of both. You can see a mingling of both. And there's more than a dozen or so scriptures in the Bible that tell us about this this mixture of the literal and the spiritual. Of the, of the material and, and the emotional. These are very real experiences that a believer can experience. Okay? Um, the one thing that all of these scriptures have in common as far as the word abide has the concept of continuance or dwelling or enduring or tarrying. All of those are combined in this word abide. So you can see right there, the word of God is rich in its words. So when you read a word such as abide, there's a lot there to take into consideration. There's a lot there to take into consideration. So on uh, on your study guide... As you study the concept of fellowship in the Bible, what you quickly perceive is that fellowship involves something shared between those involved in fellowship. That's all a part of this word abide. Take as an example, you know, whether uh, you share in ministry or you share in labor of work like we did with VBS, We all shared in that same fellowship. We all abide, or abode, maybe it's the right word to put it, in that time, in that effort, in that labor. Not to mention the spiritual aspect of teaching the kids the word of God and presenting the gospel. So we all shared within that fellowship of that ministry. Same thing is true of joy or suffering, you know. We can abide in another person's suffering or in another person's joy. That's all a part of that abiding. Think about the disciples when we, when they walked with the Lord. I mean, they they shared pretty much the same space. They shared the same heat of the day. They they shared that long dusty walks from town to village to town. They shared with him when he ate. They shared with him when he ministered. Remember, they handed out the food to the 5,000 and then handed out the food to the... That's all abiding with him, all sharing with him, all taking part with him at that time. And guess what? The same can be true for you and me. The same can be true for you and me. 
I mean, we all share or abide in eternal life, do we not? If we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we are right now abiding in His eternal life. If you're in ministry or service, you're abiding in His ministry, you're abiding in His service. If you're all about the Great Commission, guess what? You're abiding in that commission. You're, you're part of it. You're a part of it. We share in his mission. We share in his ministry. We share in his service. We share in his strength. We share in his love. Remember Galatians chapter 5, talking about all of those, uh, the fruit of the Spirit? We share in all of that. All of that we, we have a part of. All of that we have, we have uh, a part. Why is that? Because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. That is the common denominator with each and every one of us. That's the common denominator with each and every one of us. What is shared here in verse 7 of 1 John is his light. Right? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So we are abiding in his light. We share in his light. So on your study guide, when we, the redeemed, walk in the light as he, in the, as he is in the light, his light is shared with us, and in the sharing of his light, we know the joy of his fellowship. So we can abide in the light. We can share in that light. And again, on your study guide, in order for the Father to share his light with us, we must walk according to that light. This provides forward motion for us in that path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. That's Proverbs chapter 4. As you abide in God's light, guess what happens? He gives you more light. That's, that's just a wonderful blessing. As you abide in his light, he gives you more light. I mean, when, and uh, Ron, excuse me for this analogy, but when we, in, but he even benefits from it, okay? When we walk into a lighted room, like we are now, uh, we are, um, we walk around in this lighted room, we're enveloped with this light, it surrounds us, it, it, it actually bathes us with its illumination, right? Uh, the light shines on everything. It, it enlightens our eyes. It reveals to us what's around us. Now, if we were to personalize this light, right? If we make this light personal, then we could rightly say when we walk according to his word in our life, we're doing the same thing. Physically, we're bathed in this light. We're walking in this light. We're operating according to this light. I know that there's a chair there, so I know to avoid it. Right? I know there's a bottle of water there. I can go over and pick it up and drink it. The same thing when you're walking in the light of God's Word. He reveals to you things you should avoid (laughs) and things you can partake of. When you're walking in the light of God's word, 
You can apply it to your marriage. You can apply it to your job. You can apply it to your your ministry, to the raising of your kids. When you're doing that, what are you doing? You're abiding in the light. You're walking according to... You see, guys, it's not rocket science, is it? It really isn't. Sometimes I think we believers make things more complicated than we really need to do. We do. We just make things more complicated than we really need to do. John 15:7 says, "If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's what it's all about. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you." Remember, John referred to Jesus as the word of life in 1 John 1.1. 1, 1. Psalms 36.9 says, For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Tragically, there's a lot of folks out there claiming to have light, and they don't. They don't. The only, the only light that we can trust in is right here. That's the only light you can really trust in. And that's what's vital for us to understand, to to understand the true source of light. We have to understand, where does that true source of light come from? And when we understand where it comes from, then we walk by faith. According to what he says, we walk by faith. And when we walk by faith, according to his word, guess what you're doing? You're abiding in the light. Very simple. Very simple. So you don't need a seven-step program or a 12-step program. It's very simple. It really is. That's what Paul was talking about, the simplicity of Christ. John 12:35. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of light. When we step out of the light of God's word, where do we step into? When you're stepping out of the light, where, what are you stepping into? Well, sin or darkness, right? Because remember, light cannot fellowship with darkness, and darkness will never get along with light. It just won't. So to walk in the light as he is in the light is to walk according to his word, his word abiding in us, and if his word is abiding in us, then it says that we abide in him. It says we abide in him. And we do this by obedience. <clears throat> That nasty old word, obedience. So it's by his light we live and work and minister. We expose ourselves to his light so that he can reveal things about us. We have his indwelling spirit. So that's what's abiding in the light. It's not anything complicated. It's not anything complicated. So on your study guide... When you do this, when you walk in the light as he is in the light, when you abide in him by abiding in his word, two things are accomplished, and this is on your study guide. One, God will make himself known to us in his word. All right? And two, 
in his light, he will reveal ourself to ourself. And that's where a lot of us have trouble. Okay? He'll make himself known to us in his word, but he'll also reveal ourself to ourself. I don't know about you, but when I go through God's Word, and I'm like, for instance, studying this for this lesson or whatever, you know, when I, whenever I get into God's Word, um, almost inevitably, <laughs> His light will expose something about me that I'm not too proud about. And then sometimes it exposes something about me that I'm kind of surprised is there. You know, oh, all right, good deal. But that's what the, that's what light's all about. That's what light's all about. It's for our benefit. It's for our benefit. So when you deprive yourself of the Word of God, you're really doing yourself harm. If you don't spend the time in God's lights, you're not doing yourself any good. You gotta get in that light so you can drive out that darkness and keep that darkness at bay. Because if you refuse to do that, that darkness is gonna take over. It just is. That's just the very nature of darkness. That's just the very nature of darkness. Now, what's a good example of this? Well, it's right here in First John. Look at First John chapter 2. First John 2, uh, starting in verse 9. It says, He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Now, we're going to unpack this a little bit more when we get there. But in a very practical way, a person who claims to have fellowship with God, who says that he loves God and yet hates his brother... You think that person is walking in the light? Do you think he's deceived himself or trying to deceive others? You bet. Because the Bible tells me that God is not only light, but love. So if you are hating a brother, you're going contrary to the very nature of God. God is love. And if you can't forgive your brother, if, if, you know, if you're gonna badmouth your brother, if you're gonna treat your brother like whatever, <laughs> you're not walking in the light. That's not Jesus Christ. You're not walking in the light. That's not being like Christ is. He says here in verse 11, he, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness. Now notice he says, brother. Who's he talking to? Believers. Christians. That's who he's talking to. So is it possible that a Christian could be in darkness? Yep. It is possible. Yeah. It is possible. He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Remember what I said? If you walk in the light, he'll give you more light. Well, that's just the opposite is true, folks. If you're walking in darkness, you think God's... The only light God's going to give you when you're in darkness is that light for you to do something about the darkness. You understand? That's the only light you're going to get. That's the only light you're going to get. 
1 John 2.10, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. So when you're walking in the light, right, you're not going to stumble. You want to keep from stumbling? (laughs) Get in the light. Get in the light. Again, it's, it's so simple, but can be hard. It can be hard to live out. Because of what? Because of that sin nature. It's always trying to thwart you in every step you take. It just is. Just as the, our little house girls always say that it's easier in jail to be a little ah. Because of exactly what you're saying. Yeah. They don't have to get well there. Yeah. They yeah. Dig into all that we make. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, because in jail, it's a regimented lifestyle. They're told when to go, when to eat, when to sleep. But Lily House, yeah, it's more of a... Yeah, yeah. Now you're accountable. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good example. Now, we will stumble on occasion. And when we do, God has made provision, and that's where we're coming to. And I know I've gone the way of Albuquerque to get there, but it's necessary. These things are necessary for us. We've got to lay down the foundation. So on your study guide, uh, your next blank would be cleansing blood. Cleansing blood. First uh, John 1 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, there is a possibility, and I get this, there's a possibility that there are some folks uh, that kind of struggle with this. And I think that it was true back in John's day. Perhaps there were those who were listening to these false teachers. Remember I talked about the Gnostics, and we've got our Gnostics today. They're teaching the same stuff, just putting a different label on it. But there are folk, there were folks who, who desire to be in fellowship with God, but yet at the same time they were aware of this part of them that sometimes would hinder them or keep them from fellowship with God. And so they, what about that? Can God still have fellowship with us? Is it still possible? That God will have fellowship with us. I mean, because the Gnostics, you know, they taught that God was a, a pure spirit, that being a pure spirit, he couldn't fellowship with the material world. And we're hearing the same thing today in some some churches. So the, the Gnostic, the material world, was, was considered evil. And so for us to have anything to do with the world at all, legalism, Right? You have to keep those rules. You gotta keep those laws. Otherwise, you can't be in fellowship with God. Well, what about us who can't keep all these highfalutin laws and rules? What, what about us? What provision has God made for us? Well, He's made the provision of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. That's what He's done. A.W. Tozer said the blood of Jesus Christ not only saves us from hell, but also cleanses us now on earth. Amen to that. Amen to that. I love the old hymns. I love the old hymns. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. 
Would you or evil a victory to win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. You don't hear the blood preached too much today. You just don't. On your study guide, okay, here's some big words. We are perpetually cleansed from all sin. Perpetually cleansed from all sin by the efficacious. <laughs> okay. Perpetually or efficacious? Efficacious. E F F I C A C I O U S. I could. Cleansing blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Perpetually cleaned by the efficacious cleansing blood of Christ. You know, the first time this particular Greek word translated cleanses, it's found in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Same word. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was clean. Now, leprosy in the Bible is a picture of what? Sin. Sin. This man was cleansed of his leprosy, and guess what? We are cleansed from all sin. Now, when Jesus cleansed this leper, was he partially cleansed or totally cleansed? He was totally cleansed. Same thing with your sin, folks. Same thing with your sin. Now, on your study guide, the Bible teaches some important facts for those who know the truth should know for our assurance. One, cleansing of the blood. I think that's on page six of your study guide. Cleansing of the blood. So here's a lot of blanks. All believers who come to Christ by faith are redeemed through the precious blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1.18, did I put the verses there? Good. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. All who have been redeemed by the blood have also been justified and sanctified by the same blood. Justified and sanctified. 1 Corinthians 6.11, As such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. All born-again believers have also received a full judicial pardon for their sins by the, by the blood. Judicial pardon. Ephesians 1.7, in, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And then a new and living way into the heavenlies. Holy of holies have been opened up to all of us by the blood of God's Lamb. Without exception, every one of us, this way has been opened up. Hebrews 10, 19 through 20, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. See, it used to be only the high priest was allowed to do that. But now we can do that. 
by a new and living way, which is Jesus Christ, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Would you be wider, much wider than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood, just like that fountain. It's always cleansing. I heard a famous preacher one time preach on the radio. I mean, this guy's a big name among the preachers. And he said that the, that the blood of Jesus Christ is of no consequence. And this is a big time famous preacher. Who was it? I'm not saying. Why? I'll tell you later. Big name preacher. He said the, the blood of Jesus Christ was no different than any other ordinary blood. That was the last time I listened to that preacher. On your study guide, not only is it a cleansing, cleansing of the blood, it's an assuring, assuring blood. Assuring blood. So on your study guide, and now we learn that the means of our fellowship with the Holy God, who, we who are sinners by nature, who do sin in times of weakness or in ignorance, this fellowship is secured is the word, secured for us by the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, as we maintain that open and sincere heart before God, when we don't play those games, when we don't try to sweep our sin under the carpet, when we don't make excuse, try to justify it, but when we openly confess it and frankly you know, admit, yes, I'm wrong here, Lord, we're assured of his forgiveness. Are we assured of his forgiveness because of us? No. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Like the leper in Matthew's gospel, the blood of the lamb cleanses us of sin. So on your study guide, it is not our righteousness that keeps us, as the legalist may claim, But the righteous blood of Jesus Christ perpetually upon us, the atoning and cleansing power of his blood applied to our account. It's his righteousness that keeps us in fellowship with God. If it were up up to my righteousness, right this very minute I wouldn't be in fellowship with God. Would you do service for Jesus your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily his praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. So on your study guide, this is our righteousness, not the name or credit of holiness that we earn or manufacture is your word for yourself, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ perpetually upon us Due to our identification with Christ by faith, who is made, who is made unto us righteous. Righteousness. It's His righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.29, that no flesh should glory in, the, in His presence. And that's exactly what a legalist will do. He'll glory in His presence over His righteousness. Kind of like the, the Pharisee that went before God. You know, you got the Pharisee and the public, and he says, I thank thee, Lord, that I, that thou hast made me, or something, I'm not like other men. There are a lot of folks running around like that. A lot of folks running around. Uh, identification. 
that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in the Lord. You know, if we truly understand the truth of this passage about Christ's cleansing blood, there really is no room for ego. There really is no room for conceit. There really is no room for for self-righteousness. I think there's a passage in the Bible that refers to my righteousness as nothing more than filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as a filthy rag, are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now, I apologize, I don't mean to be rude, but the literal meaning of these filthy rags, again, I apologize, but it's what the Bible says, these filthy rags are the, are the are the soiled rags of the menstruation cycle of a woman. You see, the blood of man is tainted by sin. The blood of man is tainted by sin, passed down from generation to generation to generation. Something had to occur to break this cycle. That's where Jesus Christ comes in with his pure and innocent blood. It's his blood that broke the cycle. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. His blood purifies us. His blood purifies us. It is his work of purifying, not my work of purifying, that ensures my fellowship with God. Paul writing to the Hebrews about the cleansing power of the blood. He says in Hebrews 9.14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You're never going to purge your conscience, folks. But the blood of Jesus Christ, that's how that conscience is purged. That's our standing before God. Now I didn't have this titled in your study guide, but there are there are there are three significant senses of the blood, and that is in your study guide, and that will be on uh, page seven. So on the first is uh, in a judicial sense is your blank. In a judicial sense, this purifying blood of the Lamb of God frees the soul from the guilt of sin, making the believer just before God. Romans 5, 1 through 2, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The second blank, in a practical sense, in a practical sense, the blood of Jesus Christ frees the soul from the power of sin, making it possible for the believer to have fellowship with God practical sense. Romans 6, 10 through 11, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. He says, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then finally, in a spiritual sense, 
that which is associated with fellowshipping with the Holy God, there is a perpetual sanctifying and consecrating work of the blood of Christ on behalf of the believer. Romans 7, 24-25 says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I stand on the blood, not on my own righteousness. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses me, not anything I can do for myself. Baptism doesn't cleanse me. Tithing doesn't cleanse me. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. So on your study guide, the evil habits and sinful failures of our fallen nature manifested through the lust of our flesh are relics, is the word, of the crucified flesh of that old Adamic nature that still clings to us and causes us so much trouble and sorrow. They're, it's relics. You know what a relic is? Yeah. It's something used up. You know, something used up. This is why we always read in the the epistles, you know, you, you put off the old man and you put on the new. Right? You lay apart in order to pick up. You mortify the flesh in order to live. If that weren't possible, then that wouldn't be in the Bible. But it is now made possible. Why is it made possible? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So on your study guide, God has made provision for this by the cleansing virtue. Cleansing virtue of the innocent blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. And that these relics, these death throes of the old life are perpetually covered and washed away. That's what you're experiencing, is the death throes of the old man. He's powerless. And those things are now covered and washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 3.25 says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now we're going to look at this word propitiation in more detail when we get there. But uh, I think this is on your study guide. Just as the mercy seat had covered the law containing the Ark of the Covenant, being sprinkled with the blood of an innocent for the guilty, thus appeasing God's anger as sinful people, Jesus Christ is our eternal covering. That's what propitiation means. He is our eternal covering through the shedding of his innocent blood for the guilty. I'm now covered. I'm now covered. And if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you are too. On your study guide, the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ assures our ongoing forgiveness and acceptance in the father and child relationship. That's my assurance. That's your assurance. The blood of Jesus Christ. You know, when we fail, we may lose that intimacy We may lose that fellowship, but our salvation is forever secure because he is our propitiation. We are forever secure. Forever secure. 
First Peter 1.18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's your security. That's your security. So on your study guide, the cleansing based upon the pure blood of Jesus Christ assures imperfect children such as you and I, in sharing, is the word, in the fellowship with God that is light, who loves and accepts us, is the word, in the beloved. Ephesians 1, 6, I believe. 1 John four ten says, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Can you give those again? Uh, imperfect children... Sharing accepts. Now, this assurance is not to be perverted into an excuse to remain in darkness. That's what your libertarian will do. Remember my buddy I told you about? I'm washed in the blood and therefore no longer accountable for what I do. That's a lie right out of the pit. That's a lie right out of the pit. As a liber- uh, but this assurance is for us uh, to motivate, is for us a motive to love, his love for us and our love for him. And here's your blank in that we yearn, desire, covet to walk in his light. Do you covet to walk in his light? I mean, if you want to covet anything, that's a good thing to covet, right? We covet a lot of things. Let's covet that. Okay, I'm going to start stepping on toes, if I haven't already. It's about time. One day I was speaking with a Calvinist, and he was informing me about the limited atonement of Christ's blood. And he informed me, and this, this was his reasoning, he informed me that the limited atonement of Christ's blood was based upon the number of corpuscles in Christ's blood. For every corpuscle counted for every elect person of God. Where he got this, I have no idea. Okay? Um, so, guess what I did? I went home and I asked Google, Almighty Google, how many corpuscles is there in, in, in the human body? There are up to 20 to 30 trillion red blood cells in the human body. Okay? So I thought, huh, okay, almighty Google, how many people have lived on this planet since the beginning? And according to several authorities, only 117 billion people have been estimated to live on this planet. Hmm, exactly. So if we've got 20 to 30 trillion red corpuscles, and there's only 117 billion, then that tells me there's a whole lot of elect still out there, if you're a Calvinist. But when you start thinking that way, you paint yourself in a corner, don't you? I like what the Bible says. I prefer what the Bible says. And he is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Including the 117 billion and beyond. The problem is not everybody believes. That's the problem. That's the problem. 
So, on your study guide, thus the precious blood of the Lamb of God has bought every blessed moment of fellowship with the Father for us. Okay? Now we do have a part in this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Remember, it's a fellowship. We have our part. We share in this with God. All right? So it's not like the libertarians, I'm no longer accountable for what I do. And it's not like the legalists, I've got all these rules to keep. No, we abide in the light as he is in the light. We walk according to his word. So on your study guide, what the Father asks of us is openness and sincerity and honesty before him about about ourselves in the light of a holy God. Openness, sincerity, and honesty. When you're wrong, confess it. And you're assured of forgiveness. You trust in his forgiveness just as he promised he'll forgive. And you strive for excellence, not perfection. Because you'll never reach perfection. But you strive for excellence. You strive for excellence. So finally, well not finally, i got two more. By our personal cleansing through his word, our fellowship with the Father is enhanced is your word. But the assurance is your word of this fellowship is due to the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that ever-cleansing fountain. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Lord, now indeed I find thy power in thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. And when before the throne I stand and in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. That's what I stand on. That's what I stand on. And that's what assures me of my fellowship with the Father. So on your final blank there, instead of living a falsehood, of walking contrary to God's light, we acknowledge God's light about ourselves. We acknowledge God's light about ourselves. And rejoice in God's provision of the cleansing power of Jesus Christ's blood. Acknowledge provision to assure our fellowshipping in the light that he is. He's my only hope. He's my only hope. It is this mindset, this heart attitude, this understanding of God's great love wherewith he loved us that my fellowship is based with the Father. And it's the same basis of yours as well. Do you trust in the blood of Jesus Christ? I hope so. Because it's the only, it's the only sure foundation that we have. Father in heaven, we thank you now, Lord, for this word that we've received, Father, in the preciousness of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father in heaven, it grieves me that it's been downplayed so much in, in our time. Uh, but Father, we owe everything, everything 
through the precious blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Help us, O Lord God, never to take this lightly. But, Father, rejoice in the truth and the provision that you've given us in Christ Jesus, our Savior. In his name we praise you and we thank you. Amen.